Good morning. This morning's reading can be found on page 1093 of the Pew Bibles, or 1741 of the large print Bibles which are available at the back of the church. And that's Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Hi everyone, good morning, are you all all right? Uh, it was a wonderful time of worship, wasn't it? A real sense of the presence of God. So I'm slightly standing here wondering where to go. And uh, what I was going to do this morning, I was just going to speak about um, this little chunk of Scripture from Acts and explain about uh, what Peter was talking about, trying to explain what had happened at Pentecost. And... Uh, what I'm going to do, I think, I'll, do, I'll try to do an edited version of that. Then I, what I really want to do is give us the opportunity and space this morning to have some time to listen to God and to prophesy. That's what I really want to do. So um, does that sound like a good plan? If this isn't the normal sort of smooth, powerful, fluent thing, it never is. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Well, last night, Bex and I were in London for a 50th, and that was great. We went to Berry Brothers. Has anyone been to Berry Brothers? So it's the oldest wine merchant, apparently, in London, and uh, so it's quite, quite a historic place. And when we were going there, there was all sorts of stuff going on uh, on the streets, and uh, there, were, there were people in funny masks and more police than I've seen for a long time. And it was a slightly sort of weird atmosphere and the odd sort of shout or something was happening and it was all a bit bizarre, it was a bit uneasy and I was sort of thinking, what's going on? And you know, someone, someone walked past with all these strange masks or someone else had seen someone walk past with a pig head mask and it was just this odd thing. 
And I tell you that because I think, actually, uh, there was a strangeness, there was a sort of bizarreness that happened on the day of Pentecost. And uh, it was a funny thing, and the people there were sort of wondering what on earth was happening. And, uh, you know, Bex spoke about this last week, but just so we we're, we're sort of remember, on the day of Pentecost, there was a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, which came from heaven, filled the whole room, even though the disciples were in doors. There were tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of the disciples. They spoke in sort of different tongues, and uh, you know, there's this powerful move of the Spirit. And some people are just standing there, a bit like me last night, thinking, what on earth is happening? What are these people doing? This is so bizarre. Is this, is this good? Is this bad? What is happening? And basically, Peter stands up, and he does two things I want to suggest. The first thing Peter does is says, uh, or seeks to explain what has just happened from uh, the day, on the day of Pentecost, verses 14 to 17. Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this bizarre thing to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. I know you think it's weird and people have had too much to drink. No, this is actually what was spoken by the prophet uh, Joel. So the day of Pentecost, this weird thing happens, and Peter sort of stands up and tries to explain it. I don't know what you're like when you sort of have to stand up on the hoof and uh, explain stuff. Peter does a really bizarre thing, I think, and uh, he opens up the Bible, or he refers to this chunk of scripture from the book of Joel. And it'd be like last night, me sort of walking along with Bex and just saying, saying to some, one of the ringleaders of this thing, you know, well, what's happening here? What's going on? And he pulled out his Bible and started saying, well, actually, this is what's happening, and da, 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 da. Be really weird, wouldn't it? Now, in the c- culture of the day, everyone was far more uh, versed in scriptures. They would all know uh, this book of Joel. And the people were aching and longing for the coming of the Messiah. They were aching and longing for a move of God, for God to come and break in and restore his people. And Peter stands up and says, you know, these people do look like they're a bit worse for wear. This is a bit weird. It is a bit confusing, but it's happening. And Joel has prophesied uh, about this. What does Joel say? He basically says, a phenomenally powerful move of the Spirit is happening, verse 17. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my Spirit on all people. Now, actually, Joel's language here speaks of a phenomenally powerful move of God. And the reference to pour out, it can mean spill, suggests that God isn't being mean. It's not going to be, I'm going to pour out a thimble of my spirit or a little pint glass of my spirit or, uh, uh, you know, uh, a bucket of my spirit. I am pouring out my spirit in a generous and powerful way. And uh, notice uh, the reference to my spirit, God says. So this isn't, it looks weird. It looks totally bizarre. What you're looking at looks possibly frightening or a bit funny or a bit ridiculous. But this is my spirit, says God. And so this is powerful. It's from me. And actually the same spirit that... uh, brought order out of creation, the same spirit that enabled Samson to kill a lion with his bare hands, uh, it's going to be poured out. This is powerful. It's generous, and it's powerful. Is there anything else to notice that is this coming 
of the Spirit, this pouring out of the Spirit, is going to be on all people, verse 17 to 19. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. Spirit is being going to be poured out on everyone, young men, old men, male, female, even servants. So this is a phenomenally inclusive thing. It's not just a powerful thing. It's an inclusive thing that you're seeing and that God is going to do. It's going to involve everyone. Now, with our Western mindset, we forget how radical uh, this is. With our familiarity, maybe with this passage, we forget how um, powerful this is. But, you know, the social pecking order in Israel at that time was that the male was numero uno. And uh, he was number one. And basically, um, most of Israel's leaders and prophets belonged to this group. And uh, here's a prayer a Jewish man prayed at that time every morning. It went like this. Every morning, a Jewish man at that time would say this. I thank you, God, that I wasn't born a slave. I thank you, God, that I am not a Gentile. And most of all, God, I thank you so much that I'm not a woman. And that's what they prayed every morning. And so you suddenly see this weird inclusive, radically transformational, um, extraordinary move of the spirit that it's actually going to be for everyone. It's, it's a total different social order. It's, I could just speak like this. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> Is that better? Well, and um, but isn't it remarkable, though? Don't you, it's, it's a total transformation. And uh, basically, uh, this is a great victory for justice, for community, and it's a, it's a display of divine power. This is what Peter's saying. You're looking at these people. They look like they've, just been, uh, they look like they've been out on the town all night, and they, you know, they're going to go and have breakfast, a greasy spoon sometime, and just talk about the night before. But actually, it's powerful what God is doing, and it's, it's going to change the whole social order. Phenomenal. Now, is there anything else? There's something else, isn't there, if we look at this. Actually, this is one thing we often overlook when we look at this, is that actually God's people, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord now, is going to become a prophet. Your sons and daughters will... Prophesy, your young men will see visions, prophetic visions. Your old men will dream dreams, prophetic dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, even on the lowly people you just have bought and you treat badly, I'm going to pour out my spirit even on that lot. What are they going to do? They're going to prophesy. So you have a phenomenally powerful move of the spirit, a total restructuring of the social order, and every person who calls on the name of the Lord becomes a prophet. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God actually was really, one of the main things he did was empower prophecy. And Moses, one of the earliest prophets, actually longs for a time. Moses spoke with God face to face. Imagine what that would be like. Uh, He longs for a time when all of God's people will be able to prophesy. And he says this in Numbers 11. I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them. 
And if you want to read more about this, look at Numbers 11, especially 12, a little bit of 13. And actually, Joel foresees a day when God would answer Moses' prayer and the Spirit would be poured out on all people and they'd be able to hear God and prophesy. So that Peter's kind of explaining, okay? He's trying to explain, look, this crowd, it's like Bex and I last night, what on earth is going on? I Googled it this morning. It's a thing called an anonymous uh, march. It's an anti-capitalist demonstration. We were caught up in last night. It's all over the cities, all around the world. It can, it can turn pretty nasty. Actually, what Peter's saying, when you look at this lot, it's not an anti-capitalist demonstration. This is what we've longed for. This is what we've been praying for. This is what we hope for. This powerful move of God, this radical transformation of community, which is going to change the world, and historically that has happened. And finally, there's going to be an ability for everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, to hear God's voice. So that's the first thing. Secondly, basically Peter is issuing a challenge to everyone who's listening. So it's not just an explanation, it's a challenge. And uh, he's basically saying, look, the waiting's over, it's happening. The power of God is being poured out, the kingdom of God is coming, and it's happening now. It's happening right now. And uh, I don't know how you respond to this challenge, there's all sorts of things we could talk about, but what I want to do this morning is focus in on prophecy. And uh, basically, you know, I've got a boy, you know, I've got three sons. The youngest is Fred. He came home last week, and they're doing the Christmas play. They're sorting the Christmas play out at school. And uh, he said, Dad, I said, what? He said, guess what? I said, what? He said, guess what's happening in the Christmas play? I said, what's happening? He said, I'm going to be an actor with words. But that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. We all have speaking parts. And we're called to speak about Christ. We're called to speak about God's love, his grace, his forgiveness, what he's done on the cross. Yes, 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 yes. But we're called to speak prophetic words and move in the prophetic. And Jesus spoke about this, didn't he? He said, my sheep will hear my voice and uh, they follow me, They, they hear me. So what we're going to do this morning, I want to have a few volunteers, uh, and what we'll do, maybe get two or three, I want two or three volunteers, and we'll just maybe sit you on chairs at the front here, and the rest of us, we're going to try and prophesy over them. We're going to wait on God for words for the people. Because what we mustn't do in the church, afflicts the church, is that we talk about stuff, but we never actually do it. We're informational, aren't we? And we go, oh, that's interesting. Isn't Peter? That was interesting. Let's close the Bible and go home. Actually, we need to act on the word of God and hold the word of God together with the spirit of God. So let me just remind you a few things about prophecy. I don't know how you feel about this. Do you feel like a prophetic person? Lots of Christians I know don't, but they're, 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 it's really, really important that we, we understand we all are. We actually have got to seek uh, the word of God. We've got to speak the word of God. And we have to speak the word of God because when we prophesy in New Testament terms, we actually strengthen, encourage, and comfort people. That's the reality, 1 Corinthians 14. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So what I want, I'm after three volunteers.